When I was uh, in college, uh, it was, I was living in the dorms, a small college in Santa Cruz, and um, I remember one morning, uh, I woke up, and woke up by the alarm clock, this is uh, pre-cell phones, and, and uh, I looked outside, and it was just pitch black, and you know, I had a class that morning, I'm like, what, what's going on here anyway? So I, I, I was a little disoriented, when I saw that it was still dark, I thought, oh, I must have screwed up on, you know, setting the alarm clock, and so... I, I rolled over, and I went back to sleep for a couple of hours, and when I woke up, it was still dark. And uh, I was like, what? What is going on? I looked at my clock. I, just, I couldn't figure it out. And so I tossed, and I turned, and I tossed, and I turned, and I kept looking. And it was just still dark. And so finally, when I thought, I thought I, it was like the longest night of my life. And finally, I walked, I walked up to the window, and I put my face right against it, and I thought, it's unusually dark. And I, I saw a little crack. I thought, what, what is that? I put my eye up on it, and I saw a ray of sunlight. And I realized at that point, I'd been pranked. One of my buddies had painted the window black. <laughs> and I, I got to tell you, for, for the rest of the day, I, I was dazed and confused. Completely. Just walking around like, you know, like a zombie the rest of the day. I just, you know, I missed all my classes just totally screwed my whole day up. Um, you, ever felt, you ever had that happen before? You just, you know, just kind of lose, you feel that way? So all of us can relate to this one, 9-11. And we remember that day. Remember, I, I got a phone call, I turned the TV on. And then I remember, not only that day, I remember the rest of the week. It was like, what is going on? And all these emotions and fears and anger and, and frustrations. And, and, and again, it was kind of that same thing. It was kind of dazed and confused and disoriented. And, and, and then I think uh, one other time, uh, it was actually, it was on a Saturday evening. And I was, uh, I was preparing my message for Sunday. And as I was just getting ready to wrap things up, I got a phone call. And the other person, the other end of the, end of the line was a friend of mine. And, and she was crying. And she said, Brett has died. And I'm like, what? So Brett, Brett was one of my best friends. Brett and I did ministry all over the place. We, we started surf camps together. We surfed together in Hawaii and Mexico. His wife and my wife were good friends, and we did vacations together. And he was young. He was super young. And, and so, you know, through the sobs, she told me the story, and she said, you know, he was, he was doing a motocross race. And uh, when he got off his motorcycle, he took three steps, and he dro- dropped dead of a heart attack. And I remember when I came here that morning, I could hardly speak. I was just in absolute grief that morning. It was really hard for me to get past that. So when you think of Easter, we think of Easter, Easter bunnies, Easter egg hunts, and everything. But I'm telling you that the first Easter was not like that. As a matter of fact, the first Easter was a day of mourning because something really big had gone down in Jerusalem. There was an execution. There was a crucifixion. And everybody knew about it. You got to remember, this was Passover weekend, and so there was hundreds and thousands of thousands of people more than they normally would be in Jerusalem. And everybody knew about this thing that had happened. This guy named Jesus of Nazareth, who had been publicly crucified, and all the, the controversy that that surrounded him and, and his life. If, if you have your Bibles or a Bible app or anything like that, would you just just grab it real quick? I'm gonna. I'm going to jump right into the book of Luke, and we're going to talk about this story a little bit. So Luke 24 gets right into it, and it's the first day of the week. It's Sunday, and and the women show up, 
and they're going to bring some spices and myrrh and things like that to the, what they think is going to be the body of Jesus. And the, 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 of course, the stone has been rolled away, and they walk in, and they're absolutely confounded and amazed and shocked and don't know what to make of all of this. And then the, some angels come, and you know, suddenly they realize they have hope, and they're excited, and they're running back, and they're telling the disciples. And of course, Peter and John, they run over, and they look inside, and all they find is this linen cloth just lying there that Jesus had been wrapped in. So we're going to pick the story up in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. This was like the worst 10K in human history. These, these guys, or whoever, you're going to find out, Cleopas and his friend, or possibly even his wife, were making the trek from, away from Jerusalem, away from hope, really. Everything that they had, had just banked their life on was now, as far as they knew, formally hanging on a cross and executed. And, and so they're making their way. And it says, verse 14, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing them. Now, this is an interesting moment. This is fascinating because these guys definitely, whether it's, it's Cleopas and his wife or a friend, they're disciples of Christ. And, and, and so they know what he looks like and now Jesus walks up, and, and probably well, there's a lot of people on the road. Again, lots of people, extra thousands of people in town. So they're on this road away from Jerusalem, on Emmaus. And, and, and apparently Jesus just comes up right next to him and says, hey, what's up? And, and they don't recognize him. And I'm wondering, like, how is that, how is that possible? Could it be like, you know, when you're a, you're a kid and you see your, your math teacher at the mall, you know? And you're like, out of context, right? You, you just don't expect to see that. Or I don't know what he, maybe he put on some sunglasses or something, you know, came up next to him, kind of held his head, I don't know, had a fake beard over his beard. I don't know what he did. But whatever it was, he comes up next to them, and they, it says, they, they don't recognize him. And, and he says, what are you discussing with, together as you walk? And they stood still, and their faces were downcast, and one of them named Cleopas asked, are you the only one in, visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? I, I, I almost kind of wonder if they were a little bit irritated. Have you ever gone someplace to have a heavy discussion with somebody, like maybe in a coffee shop or somewhere, and then somebody comes over and goes, hey, what's happening? Que pasa? You know, and you're like, really? You know, you're like, you're just not feeling it at that moment. You're just thinking, this person just invaded, you know, our conversation. I don't know if they were feeling that way, but, you know, here he is, and they, they don't know who he is. And, and, and it says, it, you know, they're, they're, they're really grief-stricken. They're, they're totally bummed out. So he says, what are you, what are you guys talking about? And um, they're downcast, and he says, they say, say are, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know these things that have happened there in these days? So this is kind of interesting. In a way, they're kind of saying, really? Like, who are you? You know, have you not heard the news? Did you not look at your Twitter feed, you know, uh, hashtag... Jesus is dead, R.I.P. I mean, you didn't see any of that stuff? How, you know, so they're kind of wondering about him. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed and before, before God and all the people. And the chief priest and all of our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they, they crucified him. It's kind of interesting. So they're telling Jesus about Jesus. They think about this. They're like, yeah, let me tell, tell you about you. 
But now look what they said. This is really important. Verse 21, he says, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. We had hoped. We had hope, and our hopes died on a cross. We, we, we'd hoped that this was the one. We had hoped this was the Messiah. We, we had hoped this was the Son of God. We had, we had hoped he was everything that he said he was. And as far as we know, last time we saw him, he was dead. I wonder, I wonder how many of you are, are here this morning, and you can relate to the, I had hoped. Like, I, I hoped that at this point in my life, my life would be better. I, I had hoped by now I'd be married. I had hoped by now that I would have children, or I've had children. I had hoped it didn't turn out like it did, you know. <laughs> I, I had hoped that my career would be better. Then my career took a different path. I, you know, there's just so many things we hope. I, we had hoped that the Chargers wouldn't move from San Diego to L.A. <laughs> We've always been hoping that the Padres would win the World Series, and they've lost the first three games of the season. <laughs> Hopes that are dashed. In addition, some of our women amazed us, and they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find this, his body. And they came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. I, I love this one phrase. He says, the women amazed us. You know, sometimes it just takes a woman to get things done. It really does. I mean, when the guys were running for the hills, what were they doing? They said, well, let's, let's go to, you know, at least to the tomb and do something, right? And, and they get there, and, and they're the ones that make the discovery. The women amazed us. And women, you have been amazing us ever since. Would you not agree, guys? Haven't they? You know, it's interesting. One translation said the women confused us. In the Message Bible, it actually says that. That happens, too. I'm just telling you, from a guy's perspective. Verse, uh, verse 23, he said to them, how foolish, now Jesus talking here, he says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? So Jesus begins to, to talk to them, and I got a little ahead of myself here. Let me ask you a question. Could it be that Jesus is standing right in front of you metaphorically speaking, in your life, he's been all around you, and you just haven't seen it? You just, like, so let me, let me give you an example of this. One time, my family and I used to have passes to uh, SeaWorld, and we took our family to SeaWorld on a Saturday, and uh, we were sitting up, at the, I think it was the Dolphin Show. We are about halfway up in the stands, right in the middle, and suddenly this striking, beautiful family walks in, and, and the guy is really tall, so I'm looking, dude, that guy is tall, and I immediately recognized him. It was Kobe Bryant, you know, the famous basketball player, if you're not into sports, Hall of Famer. And, and, and so I'm like, whoa, that's, that's Kobe Bryant. And so my daughter, Rachel, is about 17 years old, sitting to my right, and I go, hey, Rachel, Rachel. I go, oh, that's Kobe Bryant. And his, his whole family was there, his wife and kids. And, and, and she looks at me, and she goes, Dad, it's not Kobe Bryant. She goes, what would Kobe Bryant be doing at SeaWorld? And I go, no, 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 I'm telling you. It's Kobe Bryant, and she just rolls her eyes. And so what do they do? They come up, up to where we are, and they sit next to us. Kobe Bryant's wife is sitting next to my wife. Kobe Bryant's on the other side of her. I'm looking over, and I, I look at my daughter Rachel, and I say, you want to take a peek? She looks over, and she goes, oh, 
Bryant, Kobe Bryant. I go, yeah, yeah. Now, in the same way, how is it? So, for in her mind, why would Kobe Bryant go to SeaWorld with his family? Why not? And for us, why is it that we think that unless Jesus is in a church or, you know, he only shows up at weddings or maybe sometimes at funerals and we sort of relegate Jesus to the sort of the margins of our life and we go, well, he's for, you know, Jesus, like, like religious stuff. And yet all of our life, he's been there. We just didn't see it. In many cases, we, we just weren't looking for it. For some of us, Life just happens. And it, it's just kind of like this, ran, all these random events happen. And have you ever thought that there's a rhyme and a reason through all of that? That yes, Jesus is there. You don't see him. You know, again, you, you, you're not looking for him or you just don't notice some of the things. You don't even see some of the blessings in your life that are coming from God. It's just like, well, yeah, this is, you know, this just happens and I work hard for it and I deserve it or, or whatever your attitude is. But, but life isn't just a bunch of random events. God is like, he's trying to weave his story. He's trying to weave you into his narrative. I want you to look at verse 25 and 27. Now, this is where he begins to really talk to him. And he says, he says something interesting. He says, how foolish you are. And it's actually not a good translation. Most of you probably know the Bible is originally, the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic. And so it would be better said... Um, you've missed the point. He's basically saying, you guys, you've missed the point and how slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer? Now, they were talking about telling Jesus who he was. Now he says, no, this is actually who I am. Now Jesus is talking about himself. He had to suffer all these things and then enter into his glory. And in verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scripture concerning himself. He opens their eyes. Now, these guys knew the scriptures. They'd grown up from the earliest times. They understood Passover. They understood everything that was meant by that. They understood that one day the Messiah would come. And so Jesus, in this moment, he's just opening their eyes up to to the scripture and, and where history is going and how their life has meaning and purpose and relationship to it. You know, and really, and when you think about it, this is kind of what Easter is about. Easter is about new beginnings. One of the reasons that we call this church a new break is because we feel like everybody needs one. Everybody needs a new beginning. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wished that you could do it over again, like different areas of your life, different times of your life? How many of you wish you could go back to high school and do that again? Anybody? Man, I, I, just, I wish I could go back to high school. I, I know some of you go like, never again, never. I would never do that. And, and I wish I could go back to college again and, you know, take it a little more serious. I, I would have taken that Stacking Chairs 101 class because I never realized how much I need it as a pastor. Um, but, you know, when you think about it, there's, there's things in our life, I, in, in all seriousness, if I had a shot at it, I wouldn't mind raising my kids over again. I mean, I feel like I did okay. I'll give myself a C. But I feel like I could do a lot better. And, and for some of you, you say, man, if I could do my marriage over again, Maybe I wouldn't have lost it. And if I, if, I could, if I could just be healthier and not have drank so much and you know, really damage my body, I, I would do that over again. And all of us have our stories. But here's the thing. None of your stories have to be wasted. None of your pain has to be wasted. Because with Christ, when we come into a relationship with him, he takes all of that, whatever all that is, 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he says, now you can leverage that towards being a new person and using that to help a lot of other people. A lot of you have a story. and you're, We look back, we feel shame, we feel regret, guilt, like, ah, oh, I wish that had never happened. Don't waste it. You don't have to. Just move forward with a new story, something that God wants to do in, in your life. So, verses 28 and 29, let's read this. Now they, they're still walking. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for, for it's near evening, and the day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. I, I find this really interesting that at the beginning of their walk, I don't know if they were so interested, maybe even a little bit irritated that Jesus was with them and didn't know it was Jesus, Right? And now they feel compelled to say, hey, stay. Like, you are, so, you are fascinating. You, I don't know who you are, but wow. They just like this guy. And for some of us, maybe religion has been presented to you or church has been presented to you in such a way, you're not even sure if you would like Jesus. You, you, you kind of know the historical Jesus, and you've maybe read a little bit of the Bible, and maybe you went to Sunday school or something like that. But Jesus is walking with these two just the same way that he wants to walk with you and me. Like, really, really be in your life. One of my favorite places to walk, especially if uh, maybe I'm a little discouraged or I just need to process a little bit, is right over here on the boardwalk in PB. And I like to go to Crystal Pier, and I'll walk all the way down to the, to the jetty and back. It's a few miles to do that. But when I'm doing that, I'm, I'm just, it just speaks to me. It's, it's like my happy place, and I... I can hear the crashing waves and, and smell the air from the ocean and, and to see all the people and everything. But I'm walking, I'm talking. I feel literally that Jesus is right there with me. And I've had some long conversations with Jesus. And Jesus would like to be involved in your life to that extent that even when you're driving or wherever you're doing life, just I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. Don't keep me relegated to a church or across some someplace. Like I'm alive. I rose from the grave. And I want to be with you, and I want to be involved in, in, in your life. Verse 30. And when he was at the table with them, so now they're at their house. He took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Watch what happens, verse 31. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And his disciples recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And look what they say. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So Jesus, you know, by the way, for the next 40 days, he's going to do that little disappearing act, you know, showing up, ah, Jesus, and then he'll disappear. For 40 days, he does that. And so he, he, he disappears. But these guys are going, wow, wow. I mean, when he was with us, something, our hearts are just on fire. There is something in our soul. There, there is something in our spirit. Sometimes I wonder if people, if you even think that Jesus would even like you, if he got to know you. Remember, you know, in the dating years, or maybe some of you are still dating, and if you were going to go out with somebody that you really felt like had potential, you, 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 you didn't completely, you know, you didn't go full disclosure. If not if you wanted a second date. So what would you do? You'd, you'd show them just the very best of you, right? Man, you'd get all dressed up, and, and you'd just show them the part of them that you wanted to see. 
And then if the second date was still showing potential, you'd show them a little bit more, and the third date a little bit more. And, and you just hoped along the way that as you began to show them who you were, they didn't go, ah, and just you know, run off and go, I, I, no, it's too much. I want you to know something. Jesus will never, ever do that to you. You can go full disclosure on him, and he may as well, because he already knows everything about you. And here's what you need to know. He knows everything about you, and he still likes you. Everything. He loves you. Died on that cross. But I think more importantly, he likes you. And sometimes we don't even like ourselves. There's parts of myself I don't even like. I mean, Jesus, how could you even stand me sometimes? I can't even stand myself sometimes. And, and he wants to be in your life, in all of your life. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to be a part of your conversations. When you're at, at, at the meal and you're having a meal, like he did that every day with his disciples, broke bread and just shared life with them. He wants to be in your everyday walking, talking, dreaming, living, on your job kind of life. And so I want to present an opportunity to you this morning to invite him in and to know that he doesn't, he isn't just found in a church. It's just like people. We are the church, actually. The Bible tells us people. But he wants to be in your life. And I, I'm wondering, if, you know, you might be thinking, well, you know, somebody invited me to come here, and, and I just kind of showed up and sort of randomly here. No, you're not. Not as far as God is concerned. He's been connecting the dots every step of the way. He knows everything you've ever done, and he still loves you. He's always loved you. There's never been a moment in your history when he didn't care about you and love you. And all he asks is that you would come to him and have a relationship with him. And if you're here today and you say, you know, Steve, uh, there was a time, you, you described that, you know, that burning in the heart. There was a time when I had a relationship with Jesus, but I just lost my way. It's not there anymore. I just, I don't know. Something happened. Or if you're here today and you say, you know what, I've, you've, you're saying something I, I've never understood it that way. I, did, I, I didn't really realize that I can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Then I want to give the invitation for you to come to him today and to open your hearts. And so what I'm going to ask you right now is if just for a moment, if all of you would just bow your heads. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if, if you can mean this prayer and, and, and start having a relationship with Jesus. And so I'm going to say the prayer. And you can say the prayer with your lips or in your heart. And today, you can begin an awesome, amazing journey with Jesus. The prayer is simple, but to follow Jesus is not. Because he said it wouldn't be. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. But he also said it would be the greatest life you would ever live, and you'll become fully human and realize your potential, the thing you were created for. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to this morning fully disclose who I am to you, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge that you died on that cross to save me so I could have life. And I ask that you would, from this day forward, help me to be able to have a relationship with you and understand what that means and walk daily and become the person that you created me to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning, like you really meant that prayer, 
you say, just, just like to have an acknowledgement of that. Just, just raise your hand for a second. That, that prayer was for me right now. I'm starting. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. All right. All right. Well, one more, one more thing. Once you start the story, you've got to tell the story. And so in verse 33... says, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. Interesting, they're walking slowly, painfully, downcast, bummed out, seven miles. They turn around, and I, I have to believe that they were probably running back to Jerusalem. They were running back towards hope. Like, he, he's alive! He's alive! He's risen! He's alive! Wow! And they're running back towards hope. It says this, Got it. They returned at once to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those with him, and they assembled together, saying, It is true, the Lord has risen. He's appeared to Simon, and then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized. That must have been a story to tell, right? Yeah, we, you know, he was with us, he's walking with us, we didn't recognize him, we recognize him, and he disappeared. Wow! These guys are full of life. And you know, when you've got a story like that, you've got to tell your story when Jesus comes in. We have a guy here today who's got a story to tell. He didn't even know I was going to tell a story. But I'm going to let him tell the story. I literally, I stumbled onto this church. Uh, it was a Sunday morning. And my life was not what I thought it was going to be at the time. As uh, a matter of fact, uh, we were about to get divorced. My children were miserable. I was miserable. Wife was miserable. Everybody was unhappy. And so I, I was wandering the streets Sunday morning because I didn't want to be home anymore. And I just happened to hear the music here, and I saw two guys standing out there, and one of them happened to be Steve uh, Bambachi and uh, Barth. And uh, I didn't know who they were, so I just asked them, what are you guys doing here? You know, what's the music all about? And they said, oh, we're a church service. We uh, meet here and we worship, and uh, on and on. And Steve says, you should come and uh, check us out one Sunday. And I told him, no. I said, I'm not a churchgoer. I said, I find most people that go to church are hypocritical, judgmental, self-righteous. And Steve looks at me and he says, well, we always have room for one more. And I started laughing. And uh, so I did. I came back the next week. I'm so far gone, I don't think uh, there's hope for me or my family. But I kept coming back. And I kept, uh, I started doing service little by little. I figured I could set up chairs. I set up chairs for like years. And little by little, it, it sank into me that uh, everything that had gone before me in my life, that I was forgiven for it and that I could start anew and that my life uh, had purpose and that I, I, it was, I did have hope, which I didn't have. I got it here. I got hope. And I love this church. This church has been my family, and now my, all my daughters come here, and uh, the group of people that keeps coming with us increases all the time. I can let go of all that shame, all the embarrassment, and a lot of that shame wasn't mine to carry in the first place, and I was able to let that go. Learn that it's very fulfilling to be able to give back, to be able to be of service um, to someone who, uh, like me, Today, I met a lady who uh, basically told me her story, which was my story. And I told her, this is your new family. Welcome home. 
no matter where you come from, that your past does not define who you are now, and you can change that at any time. That is a great story. Silviano's right here in the front row over here. Yeah. And he's, he's got his kids with him, and his, all, his kids all came to a relationship with Jesus. And one of the biggest ones, Silviano, about it, maybe it was about a year ago or a year and a half ago, we've been praying for your wife for a long time, and she finally came into a relationship with Jesus. So just an awesome story. But you all have one. Everybody needs to tell their story. And I'm hoping that there's some stories that are taking place right now here today. I want to sh- show you one more thing, and it's going to be the story of next week, and then we're going to close with the band. And, and uh, when, they're, when they're done... Uh, we're going to go outside. We have all kinds of goodies out there for you. I hope you'll go to, the, um, to our life group fair and check out all the different groups that you can be a part of. 